Why the next 12 days are critical for the planet. That and other stories for the week ending November 29th, 2015. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. Thousands took to the streets around the globe in advance of the much-anticipated Paris climate talks starting November 30th. The stakes are high with many calling it a make-or-break moment for humanity to tackle the challenges of global warming. More than 50,000 people are expected to attend, among them leaders of 150 nations, with many activists saying the outcome must be transformative and ambitious to be successful where previous climate talks have failed. The conference started in Berlin in 1995 and is called COP21, which stands for the 21st meeting of the Conference of the Parties. Since then, there have been some gains, but many losses at the meetings. For example, the third COP conference held in Kyoto in 1997 led to a treaty that targeted greenhouse gases, but President George Bush effectively nullified U.S. involvement, saying the protocol would have, quote, wrecked the economy. And COP15 was viewed as a disaster. Environmental groups were shut out, and a watered-down agreement committed the U.S. and China to small reductions and contain no obligations for developing countries. Some are optimistic that conditions for a new agreement in Paris may be better than ever. People are more aware of record high temperatures and extreme weather events. And they see governments taking action. China and the U.S. recently signed an agreement that would keep about 640 billion tons of CO2 emissions out of the air this century. And last year, the European Union member states agreed to cut emissions 40 percent from 1990 levels within 15 years. Furthermore, momentum for a successful COP21 comes from ordinary people around the globe who are becoming more vocal in their demands for the reduction of greenhouse gases. Some observers say the measure of success will be if the talks result in a binding agreement limiting temperature rise to 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. However, the U.S. Congress would have to approve a binding agreement, as would legislatures in some other countries. There is not much hope of that happening in the Republican-led U.S. legislature. H2O Radio will bring you updates next week on what happened at the Paris Talks. For the Islamic State in Syria and Iraq, its efforts to establish a caliphate appears to be all about water. Since 2013, ISIS has destroyed water pipes, sanitation plans, bridges and other infrastructure. They've also flooded towns and disrupted power generated by water. An analysis of the organization's movements shows that the Tigris and Euphrates rivers hold a strategic role in the group's planning. As reported in Forbes, the Islamic State cut a path through Syria and toward Iraq in 2013 capturing key towns, all of which are positioned along the Euphrates River. They have followed the same strategy in areas of Iraq, trying to control cities and towns along the Tigris. All in all, ISIS has launched nearly 20 major attacks against Syrian and Iraqi water infrastructure. ISIS appears to be taking advantage of an historic lack of cooperation among the states in the region to agree over water resources. Poor migrant workers from Asian countries are being sold into virtual slavery to catch and process fish that ends up in the supply chains of the food giant Nestle. Says who? Says the company itself. 
it launched a year-long investigation following reports of abuse that surfaced after a six-month investigation by The Guardian. Among the investigation's findings were that laborers, mostly from Myanmar, Laos, and Cambodia, were tricked by brokers promising jobs, but then hoodwinked into working on fishing vessels, in processing mills, or at seafood farms in Thailand to pay back more money than they would have ever been able to earn. It also found that virtually all U.S. and European companies buying seafood from Thailand were exposed to the same risks of deceptive recruitment practices, hazardous working conditions, and violence in their supply chains. For example, earlier this year, an investigative piece by the Association Press reported that more than 2,000 fishing slaves from several Asian countries had been rescued from a remote island in Indonesia, some held for years in cages and beaten. They tracked the slave-caught fish to supply chains of Walmart, Cisco, and Kroger, as well as popular brands of canned pet food, such as Fancy Feast, Meow Mix, and Iams. The fish also turned up as calamari in restaurants, as imitation crab in sushi rolls, and as packaged frozen snacks. U.S. companies have all said they strongly condemn labor abuse, but the type of disclosure by Nestle is rare, as taking responsibility often results in massive lawsuits. In a press release last week, Nestle said its action plan on seafood sourced from Thailand will impose new requirements on all potential suppliers to protect workers, improve working conditions, and prevent child labor. Finally, Thanksgiving is behind us. For many, it was a time to eat well, watch football, or maybe hit Black Friday sales. For others, though, the holiday is the signal that the hunt for the best Christmas tree is on. But if you live in California, the decision of what to buy, or if to buy, has become complicated. Prolonged drought has hit agriculture hard, and so too the treasured conifers, according to the American Christmas Tree Association. Lack of rainfall caused some varieties of trees to dry up and others to grow at a much slower pace. In Oregon, the state producing the most Christmas trees, drought caused fewer varieties to be grown. That said, the trade group insisted there will be plenty of live trees available for those who want them. So what do Californians think? Nearly one in three surveyed are considering the drought in their tree shopping plans. While only 9% of respondents said the drought convinced them to go treeless altogether, 18% are switching from real to artificial trees. The results aren't surprising given that a live tree requires at least a gallon of water a day to remain green and moist enough not to burn your house down. What Whatever residents decide to do, we're pretty confident we know what's on their wish list for Santa, rain. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado Waterwise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight.